So Matthew 1, verse 18. This is going to be a Christmas message tonight in honor of the Christmas season. It says in Matthew 1, and verse 18, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Verse 19, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make a public example, was minding to put her away secretly. In verse 20, but while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid, but take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. In verse 21, and she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus. We, yeah, we can go home right after that. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. My, my. Verse 22, so all that was done might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Not just God with us, he's God for us. Now let's go right First Corinthians 1. 1 Corinthians 1. 1 Corinthians 1. I'm going to have a good time tonight whether you guys want to have one or not. 1 Corinthians 1. First Corinthians 1 and verse 27. 1.27. It says, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put, the sh- put to shame the things which are mighty. Verse 28, in the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And these things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. But notice that in verse 27, but God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. Amen? That's how I'm a message if you're taking notes tonight is things are not always as they seem. Things are not always as they seem. You know, tonight I'm going to be talking about Christmas. Talking about the Christmas story. And you know what? The Christmas story, especially to us who, who know something about the Bible, or we grown up in church, a lot of times the Christmas story is just like a fairy tale to us. We've heard it so much since we were little, we don't even think twice about the Christmas story. We don't even realize the impact of the Christmas story. We just hear it like white noise, like, yeah, you know, Jesus was born in the manger, that's cute. We see the little nativity scenes. We see the little cartoons about Jesus, and we don't realize what really happened. Because it was a real event that really happened. It's not just a made-up cute story in your Bible. This really happened. And how did it happen? And more importantly, why did it happen? Why did God come to earth as a baby? That's a big question that you need answered. Why did God come to earth as a baby? You know, God could have came to earth as anything he wanted to be. He could have just showed up at 30 years old with blonde hair and blue eyes, driving a red Ferrari, looking like a superstar. If I was God, that's how I would enter mankind. Looking like Brad Pitt with a red Ferrari in the Middle East. 
But why did he come as a baby? Why didn't he just come as a 30-year-old and start his three years of ministry and then die on the cross and get out of here? Why did he come as a baby? You need to understand why he came. God always does things differently than most of us would do it. You got to realize that the word of God says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. That's what God says to us human beings. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. God thinks at a whole nother level than us humans think. That's why it's important we get in the word of God to think like God thinks. It's not my job to make God think like I think. It's my job to think like God thinks. Because he's always right. So why did God come as a baby? You know, he could have came to any place at any time in history. But he chose to come at this time. It said in the fullness of time, Jesus came and was born at this time. So he specifically chose what time he'd come into mankind. You got to think about this. If I was God, I would not go and be born in a manger. I would not be born where pigs and cows take dumps. Hello, somebody. Real talk. Because you've got to think about the Christmas story. A lot of us think about the Christmas story with everybody smiling in the pictures and everybody, their robes are pressed. But it was nasty in that manger. It was nasty in the barn with Mary and Joseph. Mary was not smiling at Joseph for that whole time. She was nine months pregnant. She had just traveled a long way to get to Bethlehem. She probably wasn't too happy with Joseph. They weren't just smiling like a picture-perfect cartoon. They were real people. You know, Joseph and Mary were real people. They're, they're not divine. They had something that was divine, but Mary and Joseph were not divine. They were real people. They were not perfect. So you got to imagine, you got a pregnant lady that's been, been pregnant, and she's, she's nine months. She's ready to have a baby, and she's just traveled 100-plus miles to get back to Joseph's hometown. They're probably not having a good time right then. And then they get there, and this is her first child, and they say there's no room at any end. You're going to have to go have your child out in the barn. Could you imagine as, as a woman saying, we don't have any place for your child. Go ahead and get out in the barn, and you can have your first child. That was not the most pleasant place for it to be, but that's the way God had it. You know, it's an amazing thing. If you just think about the Christmas story, you realize how much God loves you enough to humble himself to that degree for you and for me. Because he could have been born in a mansion if he wanted to. He could have been more born to millionaires or billionaires. He could have been born in 2000. He could have been born in the 1900s. He could have been born in the 1800s, but he chose to be born way back then. It's for a reason. To show you how much he loves you. You know, he was a baby. He was a toddler. He got sad. He fell down. He cried. You know, it said he, he, he was 12 years old and he was in the temple with the fellow, uh, the priests and the rabbis of that day. And he was out doing all of them. He was a teenager like all of us have been. Well, some of us have been. I used to be a teenager. He went through puberty. He went through the, the, the voice change. Chalessi, he went through that voice change for you. He went through having zits. 
Well, you got to think about the story like that because the, this is not just a fairy tale where everything is pixie dust and everybody's smiling the whole time. These were real human beings. And Jesus went through all of that. And puberty, the most important part, God went through puberty for you and me so he could, he could come into our lives and be compassionate of what some of us have went through in here. And some of us are still going through in here. He went through everything all of us have ever gone through and much more so he could relate to us. God did that for us. He didn't have to, but he did it for us because he loves us. You know, in Hebrews it says he humbled himself to that place in that position as a high priest. So why? He could have compassion on us. So he could understand temptation. He could understand everything you're going through. You can never say to Jesus, you don't know what I'm going through, Jesus. No, he does. And much more. Because he loves you. So when you think about the Christmas story, think differently. How much does God love me to be born in a barn, for goodness sakes? How much does he love me to come as a child and be born here? You know, uh, the theological term a lot of people talk about, the incarnation. Has anyone ever heard that term before? The incarnation, which means in flesh. The God became flesh and dwelt among us. Because you realize God is a spirit. God is not a fleshly body. God is a spirit. So the incarnation was God who is a spirit became flesh. He became a human. He had a body. The God who created everything. The God who created the universe, the trees, the ants, the whales, every, ma- every person who has ever lived. He became flesh and dwelt among us. Why? Because the only way to redeem man was a man had to redeem us. That's why Jesus had to come. If one of us could have redeemed ourselves or anybody else, he wouldn't have had to come. But God himself had to take on flesh and blood, become a human for our sake to save us. You got to think about this. Things are not always as they seem. You know, I was thinking about this, that all your decisions that you make in life are either taking you closer to or further away from your destiny. I talked about Joseph in the Old Testament a couple weeks ago. Talked about every decision Joseph made took him either closer to or further away from his destiny. Sometimes you don't know the decision you're about to make that seems insignificant is connected to your destiny. But you're just blowing it off like it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. Every decision you make is a big deal. I know Bishop would agree with me on that one, wherever Bishop's at, in the house of God. Well, Bishop, if he was here, he would tell you this, because I'm going to quote Bishop. He'll tell you, your life is not made of day to day, it's made of decision to decision. You don't live day to day, you live decision to decision. And it's important what, it, what kind of decisions you make. You know, you think about this. If, if I just had uh, just a random old paper bag up here, it looked like somebody had been using it for lunch for the past couple weeks. It was dirty. It was nasty. None of you guys would want to take part of that paper bag. If Stephen would have been using that for lunch the past several weeks, But what if I told you in that paper bag that seemed nasty, it seemed dirty, it seemed insignificant, there was hundreds of diamonds 
in that bag. It would change the way you thought about that paper bag. And just judging that bag by the outside, you would come to the wrong conclusion, the wrong decision. You know, you got to think about this. In your walk with God, you can't base all your decisions by what it looks like on the outside. You can't base all the major life changes on what it just seems to look like or the way you feel. Because God likes hiding treasure in nasty things sometimes, in simple things, in insignificant things. That's why he was chose to live and be born in a manger. Because God likes to throw people off sometimes. And, and, and it says in 1 Corinthians, we just read it, he likes to, ch- to take the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. Because the wise people, they would think, I'm going to be born in a mansion. I'm going to have a big M on my chest for Messiah. So nobody, so, I mean, nobody can get it wrong that I'm the Messiah. But Jesus didn't come like that. Because that's the way wise people do it. But God chose the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. You got to think about this. God likes to put treasure in things that seem insignificant. He likes to put treasure, it says in the word of God, in earthen vessels, in people that are not perfect. He puts treasure in each one of you. He puts greatness in each one of you. You got to realize he likes to put greatness in seemingly insignificant people. You know, in 1 Corinthians, we just read it. He takes the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. You know why he doesn't use the wise people? Because they think they already got it together. That they think that, God, you, you need to use me because you need me. God doesn't use people like that. God, if you don't use me, you're really missing out. No, he doesn't work with people like that. He, put, he works with people who realize that without him, they can do nothing. That's why he chose Joseph and Mary. He didn't ch- chose the rabbis of those days or the priests of the day or the, these people religiously that thought they were all that. He didn't choose any of those people for Jesus to come through. And they thought that that's one of them were going to be the person that was going to be where the Messiah came through. But he doesn't chose, chose people who think that they're wise and think they got it all together and think that I'm all that in a bag of chips and God needs to use me because he needs me. No, he doesn't need you. You got to realize this. God gifts those he calls. See, the world thinks God only calls those who are gifted. But God gifts those he calls. I'm going to say that one more time. The world says God only calls those who are gifted. And see, if I, if I came up and said that tonight at service, I said God only calls those who are gifted. A lot of us would not even put ourselves in that category because we don't feel gifted. But God, he doesn't work like that. He gifts you, but first he calls you. If you just make yourself available for him to use, he'll give you the gifts that you need. 
He don't wait to see, oh, he's got all these talents and abilities. No, if he calls you and you say yes, he'll give you all those abilities. He'll give you all those gifts. He'll give you all those graces. But you need to say, I'm available. And I'm getting somewhere. Stay with me tonight. That's why he chose Mary and Joseph. Because they were available. They didn't say, you know, I just got it all together. But they said yes to what God said to them. That's why God used him. And notice, you think about this. Those two individuals changed all of human history because they said yes. Those two, just because they said yes, changed human history. And and 2,000 years later, people are still talking about Mary and Joseph just because they said yes to what God had for them. They weren't the most gifted. They weren't the most talented But they said yes to what God had called them to do. And notice, when you say yes to what God's called you to do, he'll give you the gifts to do what he's called you to do. you got to realize this. Mary and Joseph, they probably felt very inferior when God called them. you got to realize, when... When God asked both of them, which we're going to get into this some more, when God asked both of them to pretty much be the parents of God, would you like to be the parents of God? How many know that's a big responsibility? Mary, I would like you to be my mother. God speaking to Mary. And he told Joseph, pretty much you're going to be the stepdad of God. I mean, think about the responsibility here. You better watch God because he might get lost somewhere. What if he runs out in front of a donkey? You're going to be paranoid those 33 years about your son. I got to take good care of God. God better have good food on the table. I better make sure God's safe all the time. You got to realize what Mary and Joseph were saying yes to. See, we don't think about this when we think about the Christmas story. We just think about swaddling clothes and angels coming down and everything's pretty and nice, but it wasn't like that 2,000 years ago. It wasn't like that. Yeah, it was amazing. And it was the most significant thing that ever happened in human history. Jesus coming to earth. But it wasn't pretty. And it wasn't all polished like church people like to talk like it is. It wasn't all pressed. And, you know, Mary was just sweet as could be those nine months she was pregnant. I'm preaching in the house of God. They were real people. You got to realize this, when they made the decision to say yes to God, their feelings, their emotions, their reason shouted at them to say no to what God said because it didn't make sense in the natural. It didn't make sense to their feelings, knowing that they were going to be ashamed, they were going to be embarrassed, the whole uh, town was going to look at them like they were outcast and like they did something wrong. But they said yes to what God told them. And there's going to be a time in all of our lives where God's going to ask you to obey him and your feelings are going to say something different. And your reason's going to say something different. And if you step out and do what God says, you might be embarrassed in front of some other people. You might be an outcast in front of some other people. But realize, what if Mary and Joseph would have said no? What they would have missed out on. See, that's the thing. When we make decisions like that, we don't, it doesn't seem like a big deal. 
But if they would have said no, where would their lives been? But because they chose to say yes and be embarrassed for a moment and be an outcast for a moment, who's laughing now? All the people that made fun of Mary and Joseph back then, nobody knows their name. And 2,000 years ago, I mean 2,000 years, we're still talking about Mary and Joseph. you gotta, you got to realize Mary at this time was probably 16 years old. She was a 16-year-old girl. She wasn't a 40-year-old woman. She was a 16-year-old girl. And it says in the Word of God, an angel came to her and said to Mary, at 16, that's a lot of responsibility for a 16-year-old. That's a lot of responsibility for a 40-year-old, but think about a 16-year-old. An angel comes to you and say, uh, you're going to conceive a child and it's going to be God. No pressure. Better not mess up his breakfast in the morning. Better treat him right. Better take good care of him. Think about the pressure of that as a 16-year-old girl. And the angel came and said, you have found favor in the sight of God. And it, went, it goes on, and it's in Luke. We're not going to read it here, but in Luke 1 and 2 and 3, it talks about when the angel first said that to her, it says she was kind of afraid. I would be afraid too. Would you not be afraid too at 16 years old? The angel comes and says, yeah, you're going to conceive a child and it's going to be God. Are you okay with that? Are you up for that responsibility? And it says she was afraid at first, but notice she said, nevertheless, but be it unto me according to your word. Because she realized if God's asking me to do this, it's going to be for my benefit. If God's asking me to do something, it's not because he wants to make my life uh, more terrible and boring and he's trying to keep me out of fun. If God's asking you to do something, it's for a purpose. It's for your destiny. And sometimes you don't see the full picture at the moment. Mary didn't see the full picture of what that decision meant for the rest of her life. You got to realize every decision you make is either taking you closer or further away from your destiny. Because us in here, young people, Youth, young adults, at our age, we make some of the most important decisions of our life. And if you make it wrong, it can completely divert your destiny. Every decision you make is not God's will necessarily. Every person you marry is not necessarily God's will. There is a will, and you can choose to be in God's will or in your own will. And you'll get the fruit of your own decisions or you'll get the fruit of the decision to go God's way. And how many know God's way is always the best way? But as young people, you've got to realize you're making some important decisions. That's why I'm preaching this, this strong and I'm talking to you guys. Hey, you're like, man, chill out, man. This is Christmas time. We're trying to relax. We're just trying to eat, eat some uh, ham and eat some Christmas cookies and some eggnog. And we're just trying to get presents. I'm not trying to hear about making good decisions. But you need to hear what I'm saying tonight. Because guess what? That eggnog's going to get old and that ham is too. And it's going to be January 1st and there's going to be decisions staring you in the face. You've got to realize you make some of, the first, some of the most important decisions like who you'll marry, who you're going to serve the rest of your life, 
Am I going to serve myself the rest of my life? Am I going to serve my government the rest of my life? Am I going to serve my job the rest of my life? Or am I going to serve God the rest of my life? You make the decision, what am I going to do with my life? Am I going to just twiddle my thumbs at no end jobs going nowhere the rest of my life and waste my life away doing something I don't even want to do and not even in God's will? That scares me for some of you people in here because I feel like you're going to end up going to a, a job that you hate that is not God's will for the sake of money. For the sake of security. When God never called you to be in that place. And God called you for so much better than that, but you're settling because you're making the wrong decisions. He doesn't call us, young people in here, just to exist on this planet and make no difference. He didn't call us here just to be a low-end member at a company. No, he called us to run companies. He called us to own our own businesses. He called us to affect society and culture, not it affect us. You got to think like that. Don't settle for just a low end, you know, this is all I'm going to be the rest of my life. I'm just going to do this job. You know, I got to do it, you know, you know, 40 years. Then I'll get my retirement. Then I'll die and I'll live a wasted life. Is that what do you want to do with your life? I don't want to settle for that. I've seen too many people settle for that. I've seen people in this church settle for that. And it's respectable. I respect them that you went to this job for 40 years, but you wasted your life. That's not what God called you to do. But you settled. Because you wouldn't step out and obey God. Why? Because it, it might be a little uncomfortable if you obeyed God. People might look at you like an outcast or you might feel like you're going to be embarrassed if I step out and do what God's called me to do. Instead of working at this company and going nowhere the rest of my life when God has called me to own businesses for the kingdom of God. But I won't step out because I'm afraid. I'm way off my notes right now, but it's the truth. Let's turn back over to Matthew 1. I'm very intentional about speaking to your purpose and to your destiny. Because you were made for so much more than you're living right now. Each one of us in here, there is so much potential and talents and gifts and abilities to change the world. But we got to obey God. That's the key here. Because God's calling all of us, but it's whether we choose to obey what he's called us to do. To be a Mary and Joseph. But there was nothing significant about them other than they obeyed what God called them to do. In Matthew 1, notice it says, And after his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Let me kind of tell you what that means. In those days, when it says they were betrothed, that pretty much means they were engaged. Joseph and Mary were engaged at this time. And when they betrothed somebody or engaged somebody, it was very serious. A lot more serious than we treat it in our culture when you're engaged to somebody. It pretty much meant that we're going to make an agreement for a whole year. We're not going to be married, 
We're going to just pursue this relationship and we're going to walk in purity with each other. And it wasn't just a decision that Mary and Joseph made. It was a decision that both families would make together. So this was a big deal when you were betrothed or engaged to somebody. And so it would be a whole year that pretty much you had to test your purity in front of the whole community. And if you went a whole year with being pure with each other, you were worthy or honorable enough to be able to get married to each other. And if you weren't faithful to keeping that covenant, you weren't worthy of being married to each other. So it was a very serious deal. And you got to think about this. During that year, that's when the man of the house, or Joseph, he would go and prepare a place for him and his wife to live during that year. He'd go build a house. And he'd prepare, prepare a place where they could come after they were married. So you got to imagine this. If you just made that kind of commitment, knowing that if I break this purity commitment, my family's going to be shamed. Joseph's going to be shamed. Everybody in the town's going to look at me funny because I didn't keep my word or they think I didn't keep my word. Because realize when the Holy Spirit came on the inside of Mary and conceived Jesus, Mary was pregnant. And, and how many of you know it's not easy to explain the Holy Spirit got me pregnant? That's why I have this belly right now, and, I, and I'm pregnant. I, I promise you, it wasn't another guy. How do you explain that to people? So imagine her saying yes, knowing what's going to happen if she says yes. Knowing that Joseph might back out of this deal. Knowing that her family's going to be shamed because she's pregnant now. Knowing that the whole town's going to look at her funny and say, Yeah, right, you just slept around with somebody. God didn't do any of that. Because you realize they didn't have the Bible to read back then. They didn't know the whole story like we do now. So you got, just put yourself in Mary's position right here. For her to obey God, what is it going to cost her? You've got to realize what Joseph felt. Imagine when Mary told Joseph, I'm pregnant. He'd be like, with who? Because I'm going to kill him. And she said, it was God. God did it. That, the natural person doesn't just say, okay, that's all right. God can get you pregnant. I don't care. No, Joseph's response was probably not like that. He might even use some language. Who knows? Middle Eastern language with Mary and said, what is going on? How are you going to say that God did it? First of all, you're going to dishonor me and get pregnant without me. And then you're going to go ahead and lie to me and say it was God. Imagine what Mary was going through. So you got, you got to put yourself in Joseph's situation. Joseph felt betrayed. He felt like his wife was lying, or his future-to-be wife was lying to him. But notice, Joseph had a chance to make a decision right here in the story. And notice, his feelings, his emotions, his reason... Everything else was telling him to drop Mary and start a new life. But notice that was the wrong decision. That's why you can't base your decisions on just what you feel and what you reasoned out. And just because you're 20 years old now, you think you know everything. No, you can't base your decisions on that because Joseph was one step away from divorcing his destiny. 
one step away. But he didn't realize that at the moment. You got to realize that sometimes when you make your decisions, you don't think it's significant, but sometimes you could be one step away from divorcing your destiny. Why? Because you choose to go by your feelings and by your reason, and I'm going to choose to do this because it just feels right. Instead of asking God, what do you want me to do? And hearing from the Spirit of God. He was one step away from divorcing his destiny. You notice what happens in the next verse here. This is verse 19. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Verse 20. But while he thought about these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid, but take Mary as your wife, for what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She knows right before Joseph was about to make a really bad decision and divorce his destiny, an angel came and said, don't divorce her, you need to marry, you need to marry Mary. And what's in her is of the Holy Spirit. She's telling you the truth. Joseph, she hasn't been lying to you. She's telling the truth. And what's in her is of the Holy Spirit. There's something very significant in this verse. I don't know if you realize. The angel said to Joseph, Joseph, son of David. That's significant. You know, the Bible doesn't just throw in words just for fun. Every word in the Bible is inspired by God. He doesn't just throw in fun words. Like, hey, this would be cool. Let's just throw that in just for no reason. He doesn't randomly write the Bible. No, every word is inspired. And it's significant that he said Joseph, son of David, because he was telling him who he was. And he knew when he said Joseph, son of David, that meant something. Because how many know in that time, in that period, all the people knew that the Messiah would come from the lineage of David. So it was a big deal that he said son of David. Because they all knew that, that, first of all, the Messiah had to be a son of Abraham, but also had to be a son of David, come from that same lineage, that royal lineage, the Messiah would come. So he said that specifically to Joseph because guess what? Jesus was in the lineage of Joseph. God put Jesus into Joseph's family, the royal lineage. And notice he said son of David, reminding him of who he is. Reminding him, you are royalty and we don't make decisions like everybody else makes decisions. We don't make decisions based on our feelings or on our reason. You're bigger than that, Joseph. You come from a lineage of royalty. You come from a lineage of people that hear the voice of God and then act on it. You don't come from just a natural family, a worldly family. And that's the same with you. You don't just come from a natural family. You come from a royal family. You come from a lineage of faith. You come from... Uh, the lineage that God has put in this planet, the royal lineage. It says in the word of God, you are a child of God. You are royalty. So the way you make decisions is not like the way the world makes decisions. You're completely different. You don't make your decisions by your reason and because you calculated it on your calculator. You don't make decisions because it's just how you feel. And I feel this. So that just must be the will of God. No, it's not necessarily the will of God. You make your decisions based on what God says. That's how you make your decisions. 
And notice, if you trust what God says above what you feel, it will always turn out on your behalf. Why? Because Mary and Joseph, everything they felt, all the reasons said, don't do this. But God said, yeah, that's right. You need, you need to have Jesus. He told Joseph, yeah, you need to marry her. And it wasn't comfortable to do that. But notice the blessings that are brought because they chose to obey God rather than just what they felt. They chose to obey God from what they just reasoned out in their head. You got to realize, if you're a believer in Jesus, you don't make decisions like everybody else. So stop making those excuses. You know, you can't blame your friends that are not believers for making dumb decisions because they don't have the Spirit of God living on the inside of them. They have no other option than making dumb decisions. But you do have something different on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit, which He will never lead you to make a wrong decision. Never. Every decision He will have you to take is something that's going to bring you closer to your destiny. It's only going to produce blessings in your life. You got to realize sometimes things are not always as they seem. If you're going to make the right decisions about your job, who you're going to get married to, where you're going to go to church, where you're going to live, all of these things, you cannot do it based on your feelings. You cannot do it based on your reason. You have to do it from hearing from God. You have to do it from hearing from God. The thing, thing is, there's some of you in here that never hear God, and that concerns me because you're making all of your decisions just based on your emotions and your feelings and your reason. Why? Because you won't sit still for more than five minutes and listen to what he has to say. Some of you say, well, God just doesn't speak to me. No, he's always speaking. It's just you're not listening. You're too busy playing your Xbox, and you won't listen. I hit a little close to home. I realize that. You're too busy, consumed with your homework, which homework is good, but when it comes before you hearing from God, that's a problem. If you're going to make the right decision in all those areas, you're not going to be successful because you just felt like making that decision. Or everybody else is doing it this way, so I'm going to do this. You know, can I, can I talk real talk for a second? I, I know the whole thing has been real talk, but sometimes even your family can give you wrong advice. Sometimes even your family and relatives will tell you, you should do this, you should do that, and you're listening to them, but God has not told you to do that. Now, I'm all about you respecting your parents, but sometimes even your parents does, know, does not know the will of God for your life. Oh, I think you should do this, or I think you should take this in college. You're not the Holy Spirit. And there has to come a time in your life, which I'm, I believe in this. I believe in listening to your pastors. I believe in listening to your parents, if they're godly, to make decisions. But there has to be a time in your life that you have to listen to the Holy Spirit. Because your parents are not going to always be with you. I'm not going to always be with you, but there is one that's always with you and always will lead you in the right direction, and that's the Holy Spirit. That's why I'm concerned after some of you grow up a little bit and get out of the quarry. 
you don't know how to make good decisions anymore because why? You were listening to what mommy and daddy said or because Pastor Jacobs told you this, you were doing this, and you never learned to listen to the Holy Spirit. You've got to learn how to hear God. And we make it hard, but it's not hard. The Word of God says, my sheep hear my voice. And a stranger that will not follow. I'm almost done here. You guys have been good tonight. You got to think about this. They, in those times, when you uh, would get married, you would have a huge procession. They would get a band. They get singers. They get dancers with streamers. It was like high school musical. I'm serious. And it would have it would be a big deal when you when you were getting married, they would they would get the streets lined with people after you had spent that year engaged to each other. And after a full year of you guys being engaged and showing that the whole community that, that you're pure, the whole community would have a big celebration for you. You gotta realize he goes on and says you need to take Mary as your wife. This wasn't a thing that's just gonna be done behind the scenes. It's not like we can just say, hey, Mary, let's just go to the court and let's just like act like this never happened at nighttime. We'll get married and you know, nobody will even know about it. No, when you got married in that day, the whole community knew about it. There would be trumpets playing, guitars strumming, streamers, and people singing in the streets. So the whole town and community would know, hey, these people are getting married. So you've got to think about this. Joseph's going to have to make that kind of decision in front of the whole community. That's why it could be a little embarrassing to step out on what God told him. It's one thing to make a, a so-called dumb-sounding decision to other people in private, but when everybody knows your decision, and Joseph said, I don't care what everybody else says. I'm going to choose to do what God has told me. So they had the band going. He went to Mary's house. It's like Romeo and Juliet. She was probably up on the balcony. She let down her long, luscious hair. He probably sang a Disney Disney song to her. Got on one knee. And they were married happily ever after. But the whole community probably didn't rejoice in the same way they were rejoicing. They were thinking, man, these guys were already pregnant. They were impure. They're not honorable. But they didn't know anything about it because everything is not always as it seems. You got to think about Joseph here. He he made Mary his wife even when everybody else said, forget her, Joseph. You know, probably Joseph's parents said, man, don't get with that girl. I mean, she's already cheated on you once and now she's lying to you, telling her that the baby was God's fault. You got to get away from her. But notice Joseph had to say, I'm going to choose what God says more than what everybody else says. Let's look over at Proverbs 3. Proverbs 3. I sure appreciate you guys tonight. Proverbs 3. See, you probably didn't realize the Christmas story went down like this. In Proverbs 3, verse 5, notice it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not. See, that's what 
our natural tendency is to do, lean to our own understanding or lean to our own feelings when we make decisions. But notice it says, and lean not to your own understandings. Verse 6, in all your ways acknowledge him. And notice, when you, when you choose that, that every decision I make, I'm going to acknowledge you, God, and I'm going to ask you what you think about it. Notice it says, he shall direct your paths. You know, it was tradition for him to not marry somebody who did something like that to him. You got to think about traditions. Traditions are not always bad. They can be. But you got to think, with some of you guys, the, the classes you're taking, the college you're going to, the job you're at, are you doing that just because it's tradition? Are you doing it because God told you to be there? Are you doing that just because your daddy went to that college and took that same class and the whole family wants you to be in this career? Are you doing it because God told you to be? Am I, is it just tradition? Because it had to, it, you know, there's a time in my life that it had to come to a point like that. My father's a preacher. It's a tradition for me to be a preacher. But I had to finally come to the conclusion, God, is it just something that everybody wants me to do and my parents and everybody else telling me that that's what you want me to do? Or did you call me to be a preacher? Because I don't want to be a preacher if God didn't call me to be a preacher. Because how many know I'm not going to be that good of a preacher? If God called me to be a businessman and I'm a preacher, my anointing's not in preaching, it's in the business field. I might do halfway decent at it, but God has not graced me or called me to do that. So some of you think about it in here. Are you just in college? Because that's tradition. Because your mommy and daddy wants you to go to college. Are you just taking classes because that's what you think that's going to make their approval? Now, by no means am I talking about dishonoring your parents, but you need to hear from God first. And if they're spiritual parents, they'll realize that's what God is speaking. You know, there's a time in my life I didn't want to be a preacher. There's several things I wanted to be. First of all, I wanted to be a police officer. Don't laugh. Couldn't you see me just chasing somebody down on a little motorbike with a hat on and everything, like a little dumb and dumber motorbike, just chasing people down and giving them tickets. Really a mall cop, really. That's what that's where my anointing was really going to be. I was going to be Paul Blart mall cop. That's what I, I felt like doing. But I felt like being a police officer for a while. I felt like being an NBA star for a while, which I, I still do from time to time. I'm 24 years old. I could still get in the NBA draft. I mean, nobody would draft me, but I'm still eligible age-wise to get in there. For some reason, I haven't grown much taller since I've been in ninth grade. But I wanted to be in the NBA for a while. That's what I felt called to do. I wanted to be a paleontologist. I know deep calls to deep when me and Stephen dig up dinosaur bones. I wanted to be like on Jurassic Park and figure out how to clone dinosaurs and dig up dinosaur bones and uh, preach at nighttime. That's what I told my dad to make him happy. I'll be a paleontologist during the day, but at nighttime I'll preach the gospel. Out to all the dead dinosaurs. 
But notice there was a time that I had to make a decision and see if I was really called or not. Whether this is just my feelings or emotions or reason or this is tradition. And everybody expects me to be a preacher because my daddy's a preacher. No, you got to hear from God. And even my mom and dad would always tell me, if God hasn't called you to preach, don't try to preach. We'll encourage you to do whatever God has called you to do. If he's called you to be a doctor, a lawyer, a businessman, whatever, we'll support you. But the key is doing what God tells you to do. I remember when I was in probably sixth or seventh grade, I was down in country camp down in uh, Texas, discovery camp. And it was one of those services people were crying for hours on end. It was one of those, the Spirit of God is just so strong in there. Everybody's crying, slobbering. I mean, we've been crying for like 30 minutes. Everybody's hugging each other like, I love you so much. I can never see how I ever got in a fight with you. I just love you. I love Jesus. Just one of those, it's like five hours long. People are just getting slain in the Holy Ghost. It's just crazy. Holy Ghost time. I know some of you have been in services like that. You're just crying for like 45 minutes, and you're like, why am I even crying? I don't even know. Just hugging people. And I know specifically that night down there in Texas that God told me, you're going to pastor. You're going to be a pastor. And then I cried even more for two and a half more hours. I remember I, I saw our old youth pastor, Mike Mullen, and he worked down there. And I, I hugged him for like two hours and just slobbered all over his polo. His polo was just soaked with my snot and my my tears. But ever since then, I obeyed what God has called me to do. Now, since he's told me to do that, there's been several times that my reasons or my feelings might want to do something else than be a pastor. But I got to go with what God has said, not on just what I feel. You've got to ask God, what do you want me to do? You know, I think it's a great opportunity since it's Christmas break here and a lot of us are getting like a whole month off. A lot of you guys are going to be out of school and have a lot of time on your hands. I think it will be a really good thing is if in this time, between now and the new year, you really get alone with God and ask him, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? You got to ask him, am I wasting my time at college? Am I wasting my time at this, this job right now? Have you called me to be here or not? Have you called me to be taking the classes I'm supposed to be taking? Or do I need to take a class over here? Is this person I'm dating, is that the person I should be dating? Or it's just because my feelings and emotions are caught up in this thing. But you never told us to be together. Since you've got, got to have a lot of time on your hands, ask God what he wants you to do. Because you know every time God tells you something to do, it's always for your benefit. And it's always going to bless you. He's never going to tell you something that's going to hurt you. He's only going to lead you in the right direction. But I say, if you got enough boldness, ask God. Because me personally, I'm a big supporter in not wasting your time. And if God didn't tell me to do it, I don't want to waste my time. 
But I want you guys to get that same mindset. I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to waste my time in a career I'm not supposed to be in, in a relationship I'm not supposed to be in, doing a college course that I'm not supposed to be in. I don't want to waste my time. Why? Because time is precious. You only get one shot at this life. Let's not waste any time we got. I know a lot of us in here are making excuses. Well, I'm young. I got plenty of time. How much more can we do when we start young serving the plans and purposes of God on this earth? How much more can we do than wasting 20, 30 years of our life doing nothing? And relationships are going to end up nowhere. And careers are going to end up nowhere that are hurting us. I don't want to waste my life. I see that. I've seen it even in our church. Good Christian people. They're wasting their life. Because I know God called, didn't call them to just do that. I'm talking kind of strong, but you gotta, you got to realize there's an opportunity with all of us in here. The decisions you're about to make, a lot of you, is going to determine the course of your life. Very important decisions are, a lot of you are making right now. So it is a big deal. That's why I am raising my voice. Because the decisions you make are taking you further away or closer to your destiny. I don't want to waste my life. I don't want to waste my life. You know, we can't change cities. We can't change nations. We can't change communities with people that refuse to obey God. I know it's our desire that we see this this whole building full. And many more buildings full. But some of us uh, refuse to obey what God has called us to do. Why? Because we're afraid. I'm saying a thing up in the house of God tonight. Because you're too afraid to ask God what he really wants you to do. So you don't step out and do it. I don't want to waste my life. I don't want it just to be us in this room for the rest of our life. I refuse to let that happen. And if, if you don't have that same mindset, go to somewhere where they have no vision and will live and die and do nothing for God. But don't come here. Because we're trying to do something. We're trying to change high schools and middle schools and colleges. And this whole southern Indiana, Louisville area will know about Church on the Rock. Will know the impact that it's made because of Jesus. But people that are going to keep walking around being afraid because it's uncomfortable or they don't feel like it when God's called you to do something and obey him, those people will never do anything and they will end up wasting your life. And some of you don't see it as a big deal right now. But I don't want a bunch of 75, 80-year-old people looking back at their life saying, I didn't do anything with it. And I had opportunities. I had people talking to me, real talk, when I was young. But I didn't do anything with it. I refuse to live like that. And I'm going to say this boldly. I refuse to let any of the rest of you live like that. I won't let you waste your life. I won't let you go down the wrong path. In, in all my power that I have, you're not going to waste your life. You're going to make the right decisions. All of you in here are going to marry the right people. All of you in here are going to get in the right career. All of you in here are going to fulfill the plan of God for your life. All of, all of you in here are going to fulfill your destiny on this planet. And we're going to change the world together. And I, I'm not going to settle for anything less. 
And I know that's a bold statement, but but that's my faith speaking. And it's going to happen because the Word of God says you can have what you say. And that's what I'm saying. And that's what I believe. And it's not just me speaking that. I believe that in my heart. 